1: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions, and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Natalie Siston learned what Dirty Work Boots can teach you about work ethic, how the neighborhood welcome wagon provides a sense of belonging, and why red barns symbolize direction. Everything she learned about leadership and business success came from growing up in a town of 600 people. Small-town leadership takes lessons Natalie learned from small-town living and applies them to achieve big business success. Whether you are a corporate leader looking for an effective way to motivate today's workforce, a manager striving to bring out the best in each individual for the benefit of the team, or a rising star wanting to make sure your work matters, big success starts by thinking small. Natalie Sistan wants to build your company's success small-town style. Our interview will continue after messages from our sponsors. Did you know that a great accountant can double your business and save you tens of thousands of dollars every single year? But it's hard to find the good ones. That's where Accountant Hires comes in. They match you with an exceptional accountant in just seven days. Every accountant in their network is rigorously tested and vetted, so you can focus on what matters. Hire a top accountant today at Accountant Hires. Go to masterleadership.org forward slash A-H. That's masterleadership.org forward slash A-H. If you want to make money and change lives by selling your knowledge online, do not launch an online course. Only 6% of those are ever completed. Create instead your own branded app and launch the ultimate learning experience that sells. Passion.io is a drag-and-drop platform where you create interactive content to sell using your own branded app. Forget any tech hassles. You deserve a platform that makes it easy. You can move your existing clients, you can reach new clients, or you can even swap your online course for something that actually works. Delight clients with downloadable and even live content. You can trigger instant action using push notifications, generate more revenue with single touch payment, and you can stream across all devices. Best yet, try it for free for 14 days, Go to masterleadership.org forward slash passion and get started today. Welcome, Natalie Siston.
0: How are you? I am doing well, Lily. I'm so glad to be here. You look great.
1: (laughs) You look (laughs) radiant and happy. We're happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am. Let's do it. All right, Natalie, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now
0: such a big yet concise question. I love that one, Lily. So my path, and I have to start where it all began, because I'm sure that's what we're going to unpack a lot today, is I was born and raised in Republic, Ohio, population 600. So I like to say I learned the most important lessons I've needed to know to be a successful leader by growing up in that town. I went from that small town to the Ohio State University, Uh, where I went to college. After college, I moved to Silicon Valley where I worked at Stanford University. And then like all Ohioans, I came home (laughs) and have been back in Ohio for the last 14 years and went back and got my MBA, worked in corporate life. And then just this past year in 2020, I took the leap and am now on my own running my own business, Small Town Leadership
1: wow you know i think of 600 i think of my high school was about that number
0: i get that from a lot of people they're like i think my graduating class from high school was 400 or yeah. something like that
1: so it was on your website you really live in a small town that's true and you have animals on your website and i love it i'm a new yorker and i love animals but i can't get my hands on farm animals for some reason <laughs>
0: Well, you saw what was a very fun day. I currently live in a suburb of Columbus. So I have since moved from that town of 600. So I'm in a suburb, there aren't any farm animals living in my yard, but I did wanna have a true essence of a small town leadership photo shoot. And my photographer was fantastic. And not only sourced the perfect red barn where we could take pictures, cause that was my main criteria, but he found one that had animals that the owners were willing to let us photograph. So there is a lovely, I love the picture of the goat on the website. (laughs) I love it too.
1: Now tell us where can we connect with you?
0: So there are two places you can find me. So either smalltownleadership.com, that is my platform where I share those small town stories. You can see the blogs I've been writing since 2016. And then I also have a website called letherout.com and that is dedicated to the book that I released in 2020 called Let Her Out, Reclaim Who You Have Always Been. There's a lot happening. I know. I feel like since you and I originally connected, Lily, there has been things that have happened. It's crazy. So I've never had
1: anyone on my podcast talking about small town leadership. Now tell me why that's so special and what is something that you can give to us here on this platform?
0: Wonderful. I'm so glad that I can bring this idea to your listeners because I think there are so many stereotypes about small town America. There are so many things, what we think about with rural, urban, the divide, and a lot of that's very true right now. I'm not going to ignore that, but I think that there are some of the best people and lessons I learned were from that small town. So small town leadership came about because in 2015, I was calling what I had my meh period in my corporate life. So I was earned the biggest bonus I'd ever gotten, had a great review, and I just wasn't feeling it. And so I shared this all with somebody who I met at a lunch through a work event. She was the outside facilitator and she said, well, I'm a coach and that's what I help people with. And I said, huh, interesting. What is this coaching thing you speak of? So we ended up having a call and I ended up hiring her to work with her for six months. And in the context of working with Michelle for six months, we started talking about the things that lit me up that I did when I was young, that I had since forgotten or just wasn't spending time on. At the time, my children were very young. They were you know, two and four years old. And so I said, well, I love speaking and I love writing. And she said, okay, we'll go find a way to do more of those things. So as I was finding my way to different stages and different platforms, what I realized was that I kept talking about coming from Republic, Ohio. So in the context of networking, I would talk about the concept of living in a town where everybody knows you and your business, and you have to learn how to live with that. And I said, you know, for a lot of people, they really resented the fact that everybody knew everything about them, but I embraced that. And I take that forward into how I network and get to know other people. Uh, And so that was one of the very, very early small town leadership lessons that I came up with. And as I was thinking more about the stages and the platform, I said, I think this thing I talk about is called small town leadership. That is my style of leadership. It's showing up and making anywhere I am, whether it be a Fortune 100 company or a city of 1 million people, there's a way to make that feel like a small town. And those are the types of lessons that I impart with my audience. So as you're
1: speaking, I'm writing down some things that I observe about you in leadership. So some things you've said, What I gather from you is that you connect deeply, right? Because you're from a small town, everybody knows you, everybody knows your business. One of the things about that is that you also know people and you connect deeply with people. You can, and you embrace it. So that's even deeper. And you said coming home, right? Like you're coming home. Mm -hmm. And I equate that to someone who just wants people to feel comfortable, wants people to feel cared for, wants people to feel loved. And that's an amazing leader. So I love that.
0: Exactly. And I think those are the things that we don't ever talk about. And you've interviewed so many leaders and I have known so many leaders gone to so many leadership trainings now do my own leadership trainings. And those are the things that People don't talk about, but they are the things that make a difference between the leader that you talk about very pleasantly at dinner time with your spouse and children, or who gets called all the names that you would never want to be called at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And I think I grew up in an environment where I, I had parents that unfortunately had some bad bosses. And I felt that like viscerally at the dinner table as a little kid, what it's like to not be cared for at your job. And so I think that intrinsically carried over into my career. Cause I thought, gosh, I don't ever want anybody to have to sit at a dinner table and feel what I felt. And my parents cared so deeply about their jobs. They're both retired now, but they are you know, outstanding performers. My mom went from, you know, no college degree to being the COO at the local library and, those are things that you know i am proud of them for everything they achieved given where they came from and maybe the lack of resources that they had when they were of you know the college going age and that type of thing And I saw from my parents, how you can make something of just pure grit and determination. And that's a lot of what you see in a small town. There are many places in rural America now that still don't have internet. And I can't think of what that must be like right now for them, because how do you put your child through school? How do you connect with the outside world? And in small towns, you learn and you adapt and you pivot and you're agile And I don't think anyone ever thinks about that when they leave a small town until they're placed in a big environment where they have to do all those things. And all of a sudden people see them pivoting, shifting, adapting, and they're like, where did you learn that? And then you have to step back and go, I don't know. I've just always been that way. Isn't that how people normally are? It is. (laughs) And I think a lot of us don't, we don't connect it to the place we're from. Mm. But I think the place we're from plays, you know, I think in a recent social post, I'd said something about the place I'm from has been as much a character in my life as anything. Not just
1: the place you're from, but who you are as a person, um, Natalie, that makes a difference because there's so many people from small town that may not think the same way you do. You know, I was born and raised in a big city and I went through a lot, but you know, we don't experience it the same way, but I love how you spoke about it from the beginning, you embraced it. And so because you did, and um, this attitude of gratitude, because you did that, then you were able to glean so much from it. Um, I love it. You learn, you adapt, you pivot, you're agile. These are all amazing skills that leaders, good leaders have. Now, any advice, practice, quotes that you've used to help you through crisis?
0: What's interesting is I look back to this time last year before we kind of knew what was coming at us. Um, We maybe had an inkling, you know, we're recording this in late January. So we maybe had an inkling that something was not quite right somewhere halfway around the world. And I was actually participating in a program this time last year called Positive Intelligence. And it's a fascinating book and program by a man named Shirzad Shameen. And it's all about growing your mental fitness. And in some ways it's like a meditation, it's like mindfulness, but it's deeper because it actually talks to you about what your truest inner critic is called, or your judge, a saboteur, all of these big things. And so I did this program this time last year and it had a huge shift in me. Um, I was already pretty well familiar with these things because I myself became a coach in 2017. So I have all the tools in the toolkit, but this just really brought it together for me. And as I was contemplating all these big life changes, I had a framework. I had a way to go back and say, you know, what isn't working and how is my mind the thing that's getting in the way? And so I had always planned going into 2020 that that would be my jumping off point. That would be the year that I would go full time in my own business. I turned 40 in 2020. So I called it free by 40. I had all these great, like, you know, quotes and things. And then the pandemic hit, and I thought, can I still do this? Does it make sense to leave my secure corporate job with, you know, retirement plan and a pension and benefits during the middle of this? global pandemic. And so I I held off a while, Lily, to be honest with you, I paused those plans, but the more I practiced this mental fitness, the more I thought about what I had going for me, because I'd started writing my book. The phrase I've said a lot in interviews like this is there became a moment when I realized that my dreams were greater than my fears.
1: Oh, love that.
0: So, when you realize your dreams are greater than your fears, and you've been working on your mental capacity and your mental fitness, you can make anything happen. And so, now I'm actually really proud to say that I partner and work very closely with Shirzad in his organization to bring this to more people because it's that foundational. So, to me, it's just this full circle moment of a year ago. I'm a consumer of something that now I'm a complete advocate for, and think that it's just something that will take fire over the next several years, like many of the other movements have taken shape because we know so much more about the brain now. I don't want to go down a science rabbit hole because that's, <laughs> that's not my specialty, but I think the point I would make here to anybody who is sort of struggling with decisions or maybe even contemplating, you know, why isn't my leadership style effective? It's getting to some of the basics of centering yourself and pausing throughout the day and getting really clear on what that voice in your head is. That way you can talk right back to it and tell it to be quiet. <laughs> and, and here's where coaching is so important, right? Absolutely. And part of this approach makes it so that you can coach yourself because you've got more tools, but it's always more effective to have somebody to talk through it with. And, I just feel blessed to be living in this time in our world where coaching is blossoming. You know, a lot of people have said to me like, isn't it scary being a coach right now? It feels like everybody's a coach. And I said, well, you know, I think that's awesome because it means that soon more people will be able to have a coach. Mm -hmm. And coaching fundamentally shifted and changed my life. I have gotten to work with people as a coach. And I know that has been their result. And I want more and more people to have that experience. And I believe that it will be more approachable for a lot of people as we go forward.
1: It's true. I mean, there are a lot of coaches, but also all those coaches need
0: coaches as well. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. I have had a coach the whole time myself. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? So I'm I'm not learning anything from like a textbook standpoint, but what I'm learning is how to rebalance your life when things change so much. And what I mean by that, and I think we've all had to do that over the last year, let's be honest with ourselves, but I am doing it from more of a pragmatic, practical standpoint of do the things I do every day actually ladder up to something that's bigger and a bigger purpose. So the thing I'm learning for myself this year is, and I do this every day, I make a little dot on my calendar with these seven main goals that ladder up to what I think the bigger goals I have for the year are. And I'm able to actually take stock of those, make my own assessment to say, are these seven things that I'm doing on a daily basis, moving the needle to these bigger things or not? And if so, how can I pivot? So that's what I'm learning about myself right now.
1: So, you do that every day. You look at these seven things every day.
0: Seven, they're almost daily habits that I try to get in every single day and how they ladder up to bigger things. So, I do something on Peloton every day. I'm a Peloton user. So, I want to be a person who has a 365 day streak. So, I am doing something there every day. Sometimes it's a really hard workout and sometimes it's a five minute meditation, but every day, something on the Peloton. Okay. So, I'll hit the health ones first. So, then eating more fruits and vegetables. Ooh. I turned 41, so we got to make that happen. Closing the rings on my Apple Watch. So those all ladder up to a bigger goal I have for just being a healthy person. I'm sorry, I don't have an Apple oh, Watch. Oh, you so, mean the health app? Yeah, health. So okay. like getting getting my movement points in, my standing it, points, those it, things. Okay, yeah. so those that covers off the health things. And then in terms of my book, the big goal I've made for the year, so the big goal I have is to turn Let Her Out into a movement. And so the daily goal I have, the daily habit is to do one thing every single day for my book baby, as I call it. And that may be sending somebody a copy that may be doing an interview with somebody like you Uh, might be writing to some readers to say, Hey, could, would you consider doing a rating or review? But every day I do something for that book, baby, I do my PQ reps every day. So those are a thing that's positive intelligence based. So they're my daily activity there. And I'm reading a daily devotional. So every day I read a page in a daily devotional. How many are we up to? I think you nailed them all. Okay, there you go. Unless you want to add a bonus one. (laughs) No, I feel tired just thinking about all those things. Oh no, I did miss one. And this is like one of the most important ones. Connecting with one new or old person every day. Wow. The connecting is really important because that's one where I set a goal for myself a couple of years ago, just to say, you know, try to connect with somebody every day. And oftentimes it doesn't have to be somebody brand new. It doesn't need to be like, oh, I need to go find somebody on LinkedIn, but just who am I thinking about today? And just send them a note. And I often find that those are the best days.
1: These are doable because you even on the Peloton, you can do five minutes of meditation, which is yes. what you said. Um, and so you give yourself a break too. You don't exactly. heavy with those seven, but right. you do them every day. And I love that the discipline behind that and the deep things that do move the needle forward. So thank you so much for sharing that with us.
0: Absolutely. I feel like I just let people into my brain a layer deeper and it feels good to do that. Yeah.
1: All right. Now, Natalie, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about?
0: What concerns me most right now about leadership is that we lose sight of the whole person. I'm really disheartened and concerned about the number of women who have left the workforce over the past year out of kind of sheer need. They're the caretaker or they have very, very small children. And I think With leaders, when they can see a whole person, I think there's an ability to step back and say, how do I ensure someone like her can stay in the workforce and be supported differently, or we can approach this differently. We've gotten so great at metrics and measurement and KPIs and leading and lagging indicators and all these things that often we can put somebody in a box based on is it red or green this week. And I think the more leaders can step back from those frameworks, certainly use those to make sure your business is strong and that you're performing, but don't let that be the only story that you tell yourself about the people you work with and for. Mm -hmm. So I've too often seen people get branded because of that one bad day they had, that one comment they made at the meeting, the one decision they made, the one email that went to the wrong distribution list and they get branded that way for a very long time. And so I think leaders need to know a whole person and be able to extend more grace. Um, What I'm excited about and I think will be a positive is leaders having the ability to recognize that their team can work very differently than what maybe they've thought previous. I know for me in early pandemic days, Work looked a lot different for me. I was able to get up earlier and go to work and do stuff because my kids were still sleeping and I would take a long lunch and we'd go for a walk or go to the park or get out and get some fresh air. And then I would work later than I typically would because I didn't have a commute. So I think for leaders, they get to really experiment with their teams right now to say, how do you work most effectively? If you work best at 9 p.m. to midnight and you're not needed on a team project, go for it you know, do it up and be there. And so I think what I'm excited about is that happening. And Lily, what I think that's going to lead to is greater trust. Because if I can trust that you're going to get it done, and you're going to deliver, and oh my gosh, you're happier because you're doing it at a time in a way that works better for you, then we're all winning in that regard.
1: Now, you mentioned trust. How important is trust in leadership?
0: Trust is everything in leadership. If trust is broken, then there's, there's no going back from that. And I have a really great equation. This always makes me feel like a big dork, but it literally is something that people listening to this can pause and grab a piece of paper and write down. And it's a variation on something that's called the trust equation. So this is the way I like to view it. Cause the math is easier, but these are all multipliers. So there's four variables. It's reliability, credibility, others orientation. How much do you care about the other person? And then professional intimacy, how much are you willing to get to know other people without it being too much information? And so all of those things are multipliers on each other. And if any of them are zero, the entire thing is zero. If any of them are negative, the entire thing could be negative. So I work a lot with my coaching clients and we, I have them write out each of those elements. And if we're talking about a strained relationship, I say, okay, pick out the dimension of that trust equation that's not working in that relationship. And it might be with the other person, maybe they're not reliable, maybe they're not credible, and it might be you too. Mm -hmm. So I think trust is the foundation of everything. And I think when we're given a tool like that to examine how trust might be broken, it's easier to step back and say, okay, there's a solution for this then.
1: Right. And it can be repaired.
0: Yeah. Love that. Okay. So
1: you have an option here. You can get a question from a former guest. Or you can share a challenge, a struggle, or a failure that you've learned from.
0: Oh, I'll go with the question from a former guest. Is there a wheel I get to spin or something? Ah,
1: no, not today. I'm going to spin the wheel for you. Hold there you on. Go. Just pick a question. So Sane Ringler wants to know, out of your current beliefs, which is more likely to be wrong?
0: mm out of my current beliefs, what is most likely to be wrong? I think that this is the moment that matters the most. We get so caught up in this moment right now that we forget to look at the forest from the trees. And so that's, I know what I'm guilty of a lot of times. Well, good question thing.
1: Yeah,
0: I know. Man, I So <laughs> I
1: love your response because it is so true. Sometimes we get caught up in the moment. And we don't see that there are options that come up like, you know, one of the things that I've been learning for a while. And, you know, because I'm a person that likes to take action and likes to see results. It used to be really difficult for me to be still and not make a decision because I felt like I have to make that decision, because it's it's what matters. If if I don't, the world's going to fall apart. It's Mm -hmm. exactly what you're speaking about. But what I've learned to do is to be still. And when I've done that, almost all the time, a third or fourth option comes up that I never even thought of. And so you're speaking truth. And I love your response to that.
0: I think it's happening for me more and more. I do exactly what you just say. It's get still with yourself and not force something and the better solution will come. That's right. All right. So as a listener of this
1: podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to?
0: I'll stay on my theme for this one. And I would say if you were to describe the character of your hometown in your life, what would that be? character look like sound like be like
1: love it and it does fit the theme it does (laughs) and it makes me think wait I'm from a shady part of town but (laughs) it it has shaped me it has shaped how I lead it has shaped how I see things so that's really interesting and it's very valuable I love that question thank you so much Mm. now is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners
0: I want to share, well, first of all, just to say thank you for listening to this and for absorbing all these leadership things. And I would say that do think about your hometown as a character in your life, because it likely has played a bigger role than you've ever thought it has. And keep unpacking that. And if you have the chance to go home, maybe you don't live in that place anymore. You'll look at it differently.
1: I love that. Natalie, thank you so much. We are like polar opposites. I'm from the big city You're not. But I've connected with you. Your heart, your energy is so loving. I feel welcome. I feel like I can go visit you in Ohio (laughs) and I'll feel
0: fine. You can. And I'll have cookies and and coffee waiting for you. It'll be awesome. (laughs) Love
1: it. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation.
0: Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye -bye. Bye bye.